I was disliked by men. Sorry about that. Good morning. I am in at my kitchen table with my Ruger and enjoying a cup of coffee, hoping the kids don't wake up uh, before I'm done with this podcast. I'm glad you're joining us here today. We are, it is already July and we are up, up on already the Independence Weekend and that's what I want to cover today in this podcast is the Independence Day and hopefully help us to understand a little more about Independence Day and kind of get the uh, the um, the aroma around the founding fathers when they were getting ready to sign the Declaration of Independence and why kind of what they were feeling when they understood understood they had to sever their ties with the King of England. So that's what we're going to look in today. Um, I'm going to read the Declaration of Independence, and then I've got a drama uh, from a Michael Ernst on John Adams. Uh, what we don't realize today is the the fact that those men, and at this time of the Declaration of Independence, I believe John Adams was 33 years old. And they stood tall, strong, and dependent on God every move they made. They realized that the freedoms that God had given us were for mankind. Every man on earth. And it was their duty as men to honor God and to honor God through freedom. The freedom to serve him, the freedom to worship him. And that's why we have this country, the United States of America, is because men wanted to be free to worship God. There was no other reason that this country is here, but because men wanted to be free to worship God. And Galatians says, let us stand therefore in the liberty which God has given us and not be entangled again in the chains of bondage. And that's what these men understood, that God gives us freedom and gives us liberty and gives us life. And they understood that they had to break away from this tyrannical rule. And it wasn't on a whim. This was done with long thought and, and prayer and meditation. And they knew they had to do this, but it wasn't done lightly. So I want to go ahead and read the Declaration of Independence uh, so we understand why this day is here. It's not for hot dogs. It's not for hamburgers. It's not so we can go lay on the beach. It's to celebrate the freedom that we have, that God has given us, and the fact that men were men. They weren't wimps, and they weren't shooting rainbow-colored bullets. The Unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people 
to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to be or to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them that shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light or transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. And they go through a list, I think, of 26 violations from the king of Great Britain to the states to the colonies and you go through and read them uh, the I'll read the first few he has refused his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good he has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained and when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of re representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He also has also called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. 
and it goes on. Everything that this king has done was against the people. It was for selfish reasons. It was for the king to gain power, for the king to gain control over the people, to use the people as slaves. Uh, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, meaning the, the troops of the king. They were cre um, committing heinous crimes against the people, against the colonists, and the king was protecting them um, no matter what they were doing, raping uh, people. They were... Um, Attacking them, murders here. It's, it says specifically about murders, and the kings didn't care. They let it happen. He let the, the king's men pillage the colonies for his gain. So these men knew they had to stand up against tyranny. And we are in this position now. We are definitely in this position. Yeah, thank you for the comments I see there. Um, you can just if you mention a comment. I mentioned the comment there um, pertaining to the to what I'm saying here. Um, and it continues. I'm going to read the summary of the Declaration of Independence. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. I want to mention Romans 13 here. Uh, many people get that chapter wrong. If you'll go back and read that and what it's talking about submitting to authority, if you will read the whole context of that chapter of what it means to, to the, the about governors and kings, and he says they don't carry the sword in vain. If you'll read the whole context of that chapter, it'll, it'll it clearly states that the governors and kings are put in place to punish evil people. Clearly, it's not for a king was not set up to rule over free and innocent and law abiding people. The governance governance was put in place to to punish evildoers and to correct their wicked ways. And that's why a king was put in place. But the king of Britain had other plans, of course, he was a tyrant. So therefore, by Romans 13, the this tyrant should have been thrown out because he was wicked and he was evil and he didn't he didn't um, rule by the word of God he didn't rule by God's law so he should have been that's why these men these founding fathers separated themselves A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislator to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. 
We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them, as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress, assembled appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Any considered brutish, pushy, but I always professed my calling to be bold. My attitude has always been, come with me in Christ, or get out of my way. <clears throat> I come to this Congress with two proposals for your, <clears throat> excuse me, with two proposals for your consideration, after which I intend to depart and charge you with defining their merit. Proposal number one, that the Christian heritage of this land shall be revealed, shared, taught, and stressed to all American children. In other words, the Christian history will be included in the public education. <clears throat> Fifty-five members attended the Constitutional Convention. Fifty-two of those 55 were actively involved in their respective churches. Did you know? The words God and Jesus occur numerous times in the writings of our founders, hundreds of times. Oftentimes a synonym was used, such as Master, Heavenly Father, Divine Provider, Jehovah Jireh. My friend George Washington used 54 different references to our Lord. Did you know? Fifty-four. Likewise, a hundred years later, a Mr. Abraham Lincoln will use 49 such references, and a Mr. Robert E. Lee will use 45. Did you know? Thus, the profound significance and impact of Jesus Christ on the history of this land, let alone the profound significance and impact of Jesus Christ on some rather remarkable Americans. One such American, a personal friend of mine, <coughs> was Mr. Benjamin Franklin, and despite his uh, shortcomings in morality, he too understood God's divine providence. Here, this is on file from the Constitutional Convention dated June 28, 1787. 
Franklin was addressing the morning worship, excuse me, uh, the Congress. But how has it happened, sir, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly appealing to the Father of lights to illuminate our understanding? In the beginning of our contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible to danger, we had daily prayers in this very room for divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And I firmly believe in this. My friends, that was Benjamin Franklin. That is but one example of the Christian heritage of this land. There are numerous others. <clears throat> Here, Patrick Henry, yes, he said, give me liberty or give me death, but only after he said, an appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left. We shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations, and he will raise up friends to fight our battles. Is life so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God, and only then give me liberty or give me death. Did you know the secular historians must have omitted something, don't you think? Mr. Thomas Jefferson believed that the constitutional freedom of religion is the most inalienable and sacred of all human rights. Mr. George Washington, without an humble imitation of the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion, we can never hope to be a happy nation. Mr. Abraham Lincoln, the only assurances of our nation's safety is to lay our foundation in morality and religion. Ladies and gentlemen, I suggest to you the Christian character of this land is not being taught to your children. Furthermore, the historical significance of Jesus Christ on the history of this land, like a woolen mitten on frigid fingers, has been a perfect fit, allowing God's hand to guide this country to its survival and lead her to her divine destiny. The Bible tells us we shall reap what we sow. My friends, the Christian seeds have already been planted by numerous Christian men and women, including philosophers and presidents, generals and gentlemen, patriots and housewives and ministers. Take care of this Christian land. Let your children know of the Christian seeds planted by Christian men, such as Jefferson, Washington, such as, such as Mr. James Madison, another future president, such as Mr. John Hancock, the very first signer of the Declaration of Independence, such as Mr. Noah Webster, the prolific thinker and remarkable author of the dictionary found in many of your homes. These were Christian men. Your efforts to teach that Christian heritage will not only be nurturing to all, but perhaps eye-opening to self and certainly appreciated by our Heavenly Father.
Well, if you will excuse me, the heat here is somewhat reminiscent of the heat I experienced one summer many years ago in the village of Philadelphia. That first proposal sets the foundation for my second most difficult and certainly controversial proposal, that our future choices, yours and mine, our future choices will be guided, guarded, and governed by those Christian principles and ideals set forth in the first proposal. In other words, our Christian choices will be based upon Christian principles, not worldly principles. My friends, tomorrow will bring about numerous challenges, numerous changes. You know that. Why, the devil himself will attempt to erode the foundation of that first proposal by using man's own intellect, own inquisitiveness to tempt and eventually destroy those Christian principles and ideals. If the devil himself were to tamper with our future course of events, can you imagine? For example, what a shame it would be if one day man were to discover how to eliminate a child prior to its birth and the government approved it. What a shame it would be if one day a new type of cannonball was developed, one capable of enormous explosive power, even including clouds of poisonous plagues, and the peoples and the nations accepted their occasional use. And, and what a shame it would be if one day a, a device, huh, an image box of some sort, was capable of sending evil images into our homes. And we not only permitted it, but promoted it so thoroughly and participated in it so thoroughly as to allow its evil tendencies to desensitize our moralities and virtually destroy our family time together. What a shame it would be if one day the love and compassion we have for our neighbors became secluded and isolated behind locked doors, privacy fencing, and hedges. And what a shame it would be if one day a person or group in authority were to decide the family unit is not really defined a sexual rebellion, including same-sex relationships, was allowed like smoke to seep under the doors into our log cabins, altering our marriage covenant and the family unit itself, and the Christian neighborhood complained in private but remained silent and spineless in their public opposition? What a shame it would be if one day man were to learn to soar like birds 
in some type of flying apparatus only to turn around and use such a device to inflict harm on their fellow man? What a shame it would be if one day greed and ownership and materialism and corporate wealth became more important than giving, honesty, and helping thy neighbor to cut firewood. And lastly, what if our freedom to pray, what if our freedom to worship and pray freely and openly were taken away by our own government? If King George were to arrive on this soil tomorrow and prevent your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren from praying during schooling, well, such unlikely abominations must be repelled. Yes, the devil will use worldly men, but you must use the Christian principles and ideals set forth by my friends and my colleagues, your forefathers and your founders fathers to dismember such abominations. Thus, my two proposals, I trust you will consider them, absorb any wisdom found therein, and adjust your lives accordingly. Oh, well, now you know why I was disliked by many. Perhaps I have offended you or your neighbor. That was not my intention. But I will not apologize for my Christian heritage, nor will I stand idly by when I see it being challenged and or ridiculed by future individuals and or events. And lastly, my dear friend, George Washington was constantly found to be in prayer. Did you know? He had been leading our troops against the vastly superior forces of King George. One wintry evening around dusk, a Quaker, ironically a Tory Quaker by the name of Potts, Mr. Isaac Potts, came upon the general. The general was alone at the edge of the wood. Mr. Potts was not seen by the general, but this is what Mr. Potts observed. The general was alone at the edge of the wood. Only his four-legged, trusty, ashen-spotted mount named Nelson stood off his shoulder. It was quiet. It was cold. The general was on his knee, so quiet, only an occasional snort from Nelson nearby colored the chilly, silent air. The general's hands were folded, his stature severe. His head was bowed, and he was praying. Picture that on your imaginary canvas. Picture that 
General George Washington? Later, that Tory Quaker who observed this wrote about what he saw that evening outside his village at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. He wrote, if there is anyone on this earth who the Lord will listen to, it is George Washington. And I feel a presentiment that under such a commander there can be no doubt of our eventually establishing our independence and that God in his providence has willed it so. My friends, this country is founded in God. Did you know? And there you go. If that doesn't give you the atmosphere of the, the days of the 1776, the Declaration of Independence, I don't know what does. That was a drama from uh, the late Michael Ernst. I actually came across it uh, listening to Glenn Beck, so I give credit to the uh, Glenn Beck podcast is where I actually came across that. As that that is 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 awesome in putting together the the ideas, the thoughts of John Adams and quotes from our other founding fathers and what what they had to kind of their their intentions and motives. But notice he said that they used references to God and his names, different attributions to him over 54 different ways. The fact is that this country is a Christian country. And the, from the very beginning, it began as a Christian country. No other way, nothing else, no other religion, Christian, to be able to worship God as a Christian, a one devoted to him. They love God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul. And they wished to impart that on their friends and their family and their fellow countrymen and they did and they stood up against tyrants where is that today where are the men and women that are going to stand up against tyranny and kick it out it is time it is high time that we the people stand up and the liberty and the freedom that we've been given before it's too late and before it's taken away the churches the pastors need to be bold and brave and need to stand up against this tyranny that we have we have been for about a year now living under tyrannical rule we had been oppressed for years beforehand but it's kind of our fault we the people because we didn't snip it in the bud we've been letting it go we've been tolerating a lot in the past couple years and we've been seeing the tyranny the lockdowns, we've been seeing the the uh, the violations of medical freedom imposed on the people. Uh, we've seen these the the deaths by jabs, and we see these tyrants running, trying to run the place into the ground. But it's time for us to step up, take back our land, take back our freedom that God has given us. 
there is if you were to 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 rehearse the history of our country there is no way to get away from god there's no way around it the fact that god and his divine providence provided us freedom life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and it's not political to talk about our founding fathers it's not political to show your friends your neighbors your congregation what god did to give us the freedom to be able to have a congregation to be able to have a church to meet in to be able to fellowship to be able to share god's word and to worship him you notice in the drama the drama the reiteration there of john adams he uh benjamin franklin's speech he says i come here today in this worship excuse me i mean in congress meaning you see, the, the, the worship of God was so ingrained in them, it was natural. They did it. They were ready to worship God there, but they were in Congress. They had to address these grievances and these this the, the tyranny. But it was a part of them to worship God and follow Him. They understood that in God we move and breathe and we have our well-being. Without Him, they wouldn't have been here. Without God... They wouldn't have had that opportunity, but men stood up. There were no, no other country quite fashioned like this country. It was formed a republic, constitutional republic, not a democracy, but a constitutional republic, meaning the power was in the people, ordained by God. That's how it went, and men had to fight for it, and they stood up. So I encourage you to do the same. We stand up, and so share this podcast with everyone you know. Uh, if you can contact me through joshuaministry741 at gmail.com. Um, but I encourage you to do that. Share with those you, you, you think might need to hear this. Um, we need to... to rehearse over and over the the history of this great country and the, the events that took place the divine providence um in these men's lives and their founding fathers and um even through your own life i would assume if you would sit down to reflect you would see the hand of god moving and see see because of these brave men you were able to accomplish what you have. You were able to to acquire the property that you have. You were able to 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 have a job, a home, a family, because these men gave their attention and dedication to God. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for what you've done for us, what you've given us. Um, thank you. I am thankful for this opportunity to be able to be on this uh, the podcast here, to be able to share the history, the reason why we're here, the reason why this country, my country, I'm a, an American, and I'm not ashamed to say so, but I'm ashamed of the what we've allowed to happen, to be ruled by tyrants. As I was saying, over the past two years, we've been ruled 
by tyrants and we've allowed it to happen instead of kicking them out for a whole year we've been under a a dictator a regime of an administration and we're letting it happen there's more of us than them and we the people are supposed to uh, direct the government not the other way around i pray that we as free men would stand up before it's us in chains I'm thankful for what you've done for us, what you've given us. I'm thankful for the the day, Independence Day, and I hope that when we we celebrate July 4th here soon that we remember that it's because of the independence that they stood up for, that they fought to gain. They didn't gain it on July 4th, but they declared it and then fought for it to receive it for themselves because in God, in Christ, we move, we breathe, we have our well-being. We have freedom in God and his laws. I'm thankful for that, for what you've done. Bless everyone listening to the podcast. Um, Help us to the day, help us to honor and glorify you, what we do and what we say. And we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.